So this morning, we're concluding a series on the book of Leviticus. And, and as we work through this series, we've seen, and this is no surprise, that Leviticus is a, is a difficult and often a strange book. It's a book that has lots and lots of rituals and, and instructions and, and not a lot of story, not a lot of action in some respects. It's a book that's hard for us to get into, but, but I hope and I pray that as we work through it together over the last few months that you've seen how some of the major themes of this book, how they still matter for us today. And really, the key question of Leviticus, the question that's been at the center of this whole series, the, the question that will be at the center of this sermon today is how can we, how can we as imperfect people live in the presence of a holy, perfect, almighty God? How can we today live in the presence of the Lord? Keep that question in mind as we read and as we talk together today. We're going to be reading a text from almost the end of the book of Leviticus this morning. Leviticus 26, we'll read from verse 40 to 46. Hear the word of the Lord. This is the Lord speaking. But if they, that's God's people, if they will confess their sins and the sins of their fathers, Their treachery against me and their hostility toward me, which made me hostile toward them, so that I sent them into the land of their enemies. Then, when their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they pay for their sin, I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. For the land will be deserted by them and will enjoy its Sabbath while it lies desolate without them. They will pay for their sins because they rejected my laws and abhorred my decrees. Yet in spite of this, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject them or abhor them so as to destroy them completely, breaking my covenant with them. I am the Lord their God. But for their sake, I will remember the covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of Egypt in the sight of the nations to be their God. I am the Lord. These are the decrees, the laws, and the regulations that the Lord established on Mount Sinai between himself and the Israelites through Moses. It's a bit of a depressing text for the new year, right? Well, let me open with a question that's probably a little bit depressing too. Have you ever made a promise? Have you ever made a promise that you didn't keep? Have you ever made a promise that you broke? And have you ever made a promise, and even in making that promise, you knew, you knew that you wouldn't be able to keep it? Well, this text begins by assuming that there are promises that all of us make that we fail to keep. This text begins with covenant Failure, And that's our first step this morning, covenant failure. Covenant isn't a word that we use a whole lot these days, but it's, it's really important language in the Bible. And this is not a perfect definition, but basically a covenant is a promise. A covenant is a promise that begins and defines a relationship. A covenant is a promise that begins and 
and defines a relationship. In the Bible, covenants create relationships and they also give parameters. They give, they give a sense of how that relationship will work. And they usually say if the relationship goes well, there will be these blessings. These kinds of things will happen. If the relationship doesn't go so well, if somebody breaks the terms of the relationship, if someone is unfaithful, there will be these consequences. There will be these curses. And the Lord and his people, in the whole book of Leviticus, they're at Mount Sinai, and, and they've made a covenant. They have agreed that they will have a certain sort of relationship, and they will do certain things and not do other things. But the text that we read for today assumes that God's people will be unfaithful. They will break that relationship. At the beginning of this chapter, I invited you to read the whole chapter in preparation for this sermon. At, at the beginning of this chapter, the Lord lists out all kinds of covenant blessings. There are all kinds of good things that will happen if God's people hold on to this relationship. But then the Lord also lists a number of covenant consequences, covenant curses. There are all kinds of bad things that, that inevitably happen if God's people turn away from the Lord. And yet, even with God's people knowing all those consequences, the text recognizes they will be unfaithful. Leviticus has spent 25 chapters giving, giving God's people all kinds of ways for them to maintain this relationship. 25 chapters of detail upon detail upon almost sickening detail of, of how exactly to live in a way that will maintain the relationship that the Lord has created with his people. And yet here in Leviticus 26, the text says it's not going to work. It ain't going to work. The people are not going to be able to maintain this relationship. The people will always fail. Leviticus knows a deep truth about human nature that, that deep down all of us know too. That we fail, that we are broken, that we are turned around backwards and that we can't help it, that we're always going to be unfaithful. Dustin Sandlin is a science guy, an engineer. He has some science shows out there. And as part of one of his presentations, he has this thing he calls a backward bicycle. A backward bicycle. And it's just like a regular bicycle, except that the handlebars have an extra mechanism so that whenever you turn the handlebars to the left, the front wheel turns to the right. And whenever you turn the handlebars to the right, the front wheel turns to the left. So you turn the handlebar this way, wheel goes that way, turn handlebar this way, wheel goes that way. And he'll bring this out at science conventions and events where he's invited to speak. And he brings somebody up on the stage and he paces out about, oh, about four paces, call it 10 or 12 feet. And he says to a volunteer, I will give you $200 if you can ride that backwards bike from there to here. And he always gets someone who thinks they can do it. And they get up there, and they get on this backwards bicycle, and they kind of wibble and wobble a little bit. All right, I got this. And they're incredibly confident usually because that's the kind of person who volunteers, right? And they push off, and for about this far, you can tell, they think they've got it. And then the first wobble happens, 
and things go a little crazy. And by the time they get to about here, they fall over. And then they try it again, and they, they can't do it. Nobody can do it. Their brain and their body, they've been riding bikes for decades, but their brain and their body cannot make it work with just that one thing. They, they think they need to go this way, and so they autopilot that way, and then they fall over. In all of us, all of us, well, we're backwards bicycles. We've got some things deep down in us that are just not right. And so even when we want to do what's right, even when we make promises, even when we say, I'll do it, I'll do the right thing, even when we do our best, well, it might work for a little while, especially if we get a running start, but, but then the wobbling starts, and then we overcorrect, and then all of a sudden we fall again. No matter what we try as human beings, we're undone by ourselves. We might have the best intentions and, and the best hopes, and, and we might make promises that we intend to keep, but, but we don't. We don't. The problem at the end of Leviticus here is the same as the problem at the beginning of the book of Leviticus and the beginning of the book the whole Bible. People can't get it right. And it's not just on the conscious level that we can't get it right. It's that, that deep down our, our desires, our impulses, our hearts, what we want, everything is just off. And so even when God offers us the opportunity to make things right, even when we, even when we step into this relationship we fail. Our covenant failure is one of the great themes of our lives and one of the great themes of Scripture. In a sense, when we get to the end of Leviticus, we, we should be pretty depressed about the prospects of God's people. They've had all these opportunities, all these instructions. God has provided these ways to, to live right and instead, God's people wibble and wobble, and they fall off again. We've come all this way, and we still can't live in God's presence? And what Leviticus says is, yep, all this way, and you still can't do it. And we need to... As unpleasant as it is, as much as we'd like to deny it, we, we have to start here. Even on a fresh new year, even when we have all these New Year's resolutions that honestly we've probably already broken, even when we want things to be fresh and new, we have to start with the reality that we are covenant failures. We need to start there. But then the text moves us on. It doesn't leave us at this point of failure. It moves on to God's faithfulness. And that's our second move for today, God's covenant faithfulness. This text has a lot to say about how God's people go wrong, but then it talks about how the Lord makes it right. And the Lord says, if they will confess, 
if they will confess, I will remember. And that word remember shows up again and again and again in these verses that we read. So let's, let's slow down and let's really focus on that, on that phrase. If they will confess, I will remember. And let's dig into that confession part first a bit. You know, that's remarkable in what it says, but the text is also remarkable in what it does not say. Remember, this is after a long list of all the ways that the people are going to get it wrong. God says again and again, when they do this, and they will, this is what's going to happen. When they do this wrong thing, and they will, this is what's going to happen. When they do this wrong thing, and they will, all of this will happen. And then God could say, and when they get their act together, they can come back. Or God could say, if they manage to kind of get it together, we'll see. There will be a probation period. Or God could say, and because the people will fail and fail and fail, we're done. We are done here. The Lord would be within his rights to say all of that, but he says none of that. Instead, he just says, if they confess. God doesn't have this bar that we have to get over, that we have to be good enough to come back when we wander away. He just says, if you confess, if you come back. In the New Testament, there's a parable Jesus tells of the prodigal son, and the son runs off and comes up with everything wrong that he could possibly do, basically. And, and then he comes up with this plot to go back and, and tell his father, well, that, it, can you kind of take me back if I'm good enough? And in that story, the father doesn't wait for the son to be good enough, but he goes out and he drags the kid in and he has a party because he came back. And that's where God sets the bar. Just turn back. Just turn back. And then the Lord says again and again in this text, I will remember. I will remember the covenant I made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I will remember the covenant I made when I brought you out of Egypt. I will remember. And that remembering there is not an abstract memory. Oh, yeah, that happened. That remembering is a faithfulness. It is saying, I will be faithful to this relationship. When the Lord says, I will remember, he's not saying, I'll recite certain facts. He's saying, when you are faithless, I will be faithful. When you run away, I will keep looking out for you. When you forget me, I will remember you. When you do wrong, I will do right. When you fail, and we all do, when you fail, says God, I will be faithful. In verse 44, this text has the Lord saying, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. And in Leviticus, that is the 49th time that that phrase shows up. The 49th time. And for you math whizzes out there, what is the square root of 49? Seven. 
seven. Seven times seven is 49. And in the Bible, seven is a number of completion, of perfection, of, of it can't possibly get any better than this. And here in this text about God's faithfulness, it gives us the seventh, seventh, the seventh, seventh time that the Lord our God says in this text, in this book, I am the Lord your God. When the Lord says that here, he is saying, I am absolutely committed to you. And he is saying that to the Old Testament Israelites, and he is saying that to us still today. I am absolutely, always, forever, completely committed to you. It would not be possible, the Lord is saying, for me to have a greater commitment than I do to you. And that is the key message of the scripture for our lives. The Lord is absolutely committed to us. And you know, we fail and 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 we fail. But the Lord assures us that he is still committed to us. And you know, the whole story of the Old Testament, in some respects, the whole story of our lives is God coming to us again and again and, and trying to get us to be faithful. And we are always letting down our side of the bargain. We are always wibbling and wobbling and falling over. We cannot, even when God gives us a bar that should be attainable, we can't get there. We can't do it. And so, and so when we come to Jesus, the Lord himself comes down and, and takes on human nature and he becomes, he becomes the one of us who is faithful. The only way the relationship between God and humanity is going to work is if, is if God himself takes on humanity and fulfills our part of the bargain. And in Jesus Christ, that's exactly what the Lord does. Jesus takes on all our guilt and, and all the effects of our failure and all the consequences, and he experiences them himself, and he remains faithful to the Lord. And so in Jesus Christ, we see God coming down and, and the Lord himself being faithful as our God, but also the Lord himself being faithful as our representative. Jesus takes the fall for us, and the Lord is faithful on our behalf. And that means that none of us, none of us are beyond God's grace. None of us ever are at that point where we have done too much, where we are too far away from God, where we have fallen too many times that the Lord is going to walk away from us does not happen because of Jesus Christ. But then on the other hand, you know, none of us in this life ever outgrows grace. None of us gets to the point where we can say, I don't need Jesus anymore, I'm good on my own. We always need Jesus. The Lord continues 
to be faithful. The Lord is faithful. And it would be nice. It would be nice if we could say, yep, we've all failed. Let's just, let's just own that. We've all failed, but God is faithful. He takes care of it. End of story. Let's all go home and live in God's faithfulness. It would be wonderful if we could do that, but, but would you mind raising your hand if you weren't going to sin this week? I saw a couple people raise their hands. You're pretty optimistic, and you're better people than I am. We're all going to sin this week. If not, wow, you're amazing. I want to I be like you. But we're all going to fail this week. We're all going to flop. And if not this week, maybe you can make it a week. But if not this week, this month, this year, you're going to flop. You're not going to get past the line. And that's a reality we just have to live with. And it's a reality the Lord knows about us. And so he's provided ways for us to continually find renewal in him. And so after we talk about our covenant failure and we talk about God's covenant faithfulness, we need to talk, and this is our third and last point for today, we need to talk about covenant renewal. Covenant renewal. The Lord provides ways, because he knows us, the Lord provides ways for us to keep on renewing the relationship we have with him. This is not a one-and-done deal that, all right, you get one shot, you miss it, we're done. The Lord gets it. The Lord gets that we don't always, that we don't usually get it right. And so he provides ways for us to keep coming back to him and keep experiencing his grace over and over and over again. And there's, there's two sides to this. To begin with, the Lord comes to us as we're wobbling along on our backwards bicycles, and he, and he fixes us. He takes who we are, and he makes us right. He moves us from one status to another. He moves us from being hopeless to being full of hope. But then even once he does that, he doesn't, he doesn't make us perfect right away. In that uh, Dustin's backward bike, it's quite a showstopper. He brings it to all kinds of shows. And part of his trick with it is that he's learned to ride that bike. He spent months and months not getting on a regular bicycle, but, but getting on a backwards bike and figuring out all the wibbles and wobbles and, and making it work. So after a people have failed and failed, he gets on it and he pedals across the stage and, and everybody laughs. But then there was a day he decided to go back to the way a bike should be. So he tweeted out, this time, this day, I'm going to be in this place, and I'm going, to, I'm going to ride a regular bike. So he shows up on this regular bike, and there's a little bit of a crowd there, and he can't do it anymore. He can't ride a regular bike because everything about his brain and his body have been rewired backwards. So he tries to ride this regular bike, this bike that should just go, and he keeps falling and falling and falling. And we as God's people, even when things should be right, we keep on falling and falling and falling. But eventually, eventually Destin gets it. He rides and rides, and then all of a sudden his brain and his body click, and he can ride a bike again. And off he goes 
down the streets of Amsterdam having a wonderful time. And the Lord is working with each of us to get us to that point. The Lord is working with each of us so that all that messed up stuff deep inside us will finally be taken away and done with. The Lord is working in each of us so that we will be made right. But to get there, to get there, we need to keep going through the work of covenant renewal. That last verse that we read for today sounds like a throwaway verse. Verse 46 reads, These are the decrees, the decrees, the laws, and the regulations that the Lord established at Mount Sinai between himself and the Israelites through Moses. And to us, that sounds like a throwaway line, but it's not. What it is, is God saying that he has provided for ways for his people to keep coming back to him. Now, really, those decrees, the laws, the regulations, they were never going to save the people. But what they did is they gave them a way. They gave them a pathway to keep coming back to the Lord Jesus. It's never our own work that saves us. It's always Jesus, always has been, always will be Jesus who saves us. But the Lord provides us with ways to keep coming back to Him. What we do here every Sunday when we gather together, this is a covenant renewal ceremony. What we do on Sunday when we gather is a covenant renewal time. We come and we praise the Lord and get ourselves reoriented to the truth about Him and our relationship with Him. We come and we confess our sins and we say, we, we fell again this week. Please take us back. We come and we remind ourselves of what God's will is, what His good, pleasing, and perfect will is for us, and we commit ourselves again to following it. We come and we hear God's word, and week after week after week, we hear what is, well, to be honest with you, if we're doing it right, what is basically the same message. We are broken and faithless. <coughs> God is gracious and faithful. And that's what we need to hear week after week after week. And what we need for ourselves day after day after day is covenant renewal. <coughs> Excuse me. What we need for ourselves day after day is to go back to God's grace. To recommit ourselves to Him. And to receive again His grace and power to transform us. In this life, we never outgrow covenant failure. We never do. But we never for eternity outgrow God's covenant faithfulness. So this morning, every day of our lives as Christians, we come to the Lord and we seek to renew our relationship. We throw ourselves again on His faithfulness and His grace and the Lord is always there. And the Lord always remembers us.
Today is a good day. Today is a good day for all of us together and all of us individually to be renewed in our relationships with the Lord. In Jesus Christ, all of God's promises, all of his covenant promises are good, and they are good for us. Seek to be renewed today. The Lord always remembers his people. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your faithfulness. We give you thanks for your faithfulness as it plays out in each one of our lives. We give you thanks for your faithfulness as it is played out over the whole theater of history from beginning to end. Lord, we pray that today you convict each one of us of the ways that we have failed. Convict us of the ways that we have made promises to you and, and broken them over and over and over again. And Lord, too, give us a deep and settled conviction that your grace overcomes all of our sin. Father, help us to experience your faithfulness not as some abstract concept, but as, as a deep and vibrant reality for us. Lord, help us to look to the life of Jesus and to see in him your grace and your love for each one of us. And Lord, as we draw near to the end of our time of worship today, we pray that you renew the relationship you have with each one of us. Deepen our awareness of your presence in our lives. Deepen our gratitude for your work on our behalf and within us. Deepen our commitment to serving you. And Father, transform us so that we can be the people you call us to be. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.